Hey folks, Pat here. Real quick one before we get started. We recorded this episode on Saturday just gone, so it might be a little out of date if you're listening to it today, the 29th, um, but it's a lot of fun and I think it's all pretty relevant anyway. So enjoy the app. Welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cullen, and can you believe it? I'm sitting across from the man himself, Bardo. We're in the same room. I don't know how to control myself. We'll try. (laughs) Um, Do try. Um, No, look, Pat, we've got it. We've got 40 minutes in the middle. Um, Uh You're at one end, I'm I'm down the other. Uh Um, I was going to say you're pitching, I'm catching, but that probably doesn't help the self-control thing. Um... And it's a cricket show, so no baseball analogies. Uh, no, mate, it's good to have you here. Thanks for coming. Mate, please. Much appreciated. Pleased to be here. Absolutely delighted, actually, Bardo. This is how we'd run the show in an ideal world, but we're just separated by the tyranny of distance. Uh, gets in our road every time. So, look, mm. hopefully, pal, we can nip a few off the square, um, cut a few backward of point, maybe hoik a couple over mid on and uh, see if we can't score a few runs. What that means in, in more literal terms is, folks, we're going to talk about some women's T20, um, more wins, more dollars. That's Sophie Molyneux. What a legend. Uh, do a Sheffield Shield wrap of all the potential batsmen and a couple of bowlers that could be coming into the side. Plus, Pope Watch, Bardo, he's back. He's back. You know, um, the Bureau of Meteorology recently reported that some of those wrongins (laughs) were turning uh, country miles. I bet they were. (laughs) You know, um, the Pope dog is back in the building. Um, What a mop of hair. What an incredible name. I mean, you, you appreciate, of all people... Card carrying member of the mm. uh, of the redhead fraternity, mm. but even you know that thing is next level. <laughs> it's extraordinary, isn't it? It's um, like Farnham, John Farnham, and Ginger Meg's had a baby. <laughs> you know, eighties John Farnham too. It's yeah. got like a little slightly boring patch at the top there, which I love. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> I think it's great. Good to have a character, a leg spinning character, which is what we need. Um, what the country needs right now. But um, no, fantastic to see his efforts, of course, for uh, South Australia during the week. That match is still going on. But uh, uh, I think it was a little bit of uh, uh, lightness in the dark oh. uh, on the men's side of the game. See Lloyd Pope uh, uh, taking a few polls this week. Oh, mate, made me very happy in my heart. So we'll cover a bit of Pope Watch. Uh, We'll deal with the two 220s that have been played so far. Um, There's one more to come tonight, but it's a bit of a dead rubber as we've been absolutely pumped in those by Pakistan, who I believe are the number one T20 side in the world, B-Train. If they're not number one, they're definitely up there. And finally, uh, can you believe it, folks? We've cracked through Chris Gale's book. We've (laughs) been You know, in the amount of time that it would take some other people to read War and Peace, or maybe, you know, the full, you know, history of America or something, Chris and I have managed to crack through a book, and I must admit that you're a bit further through than I am, pal, so we'll mainly be relying on you there. Um, I was informed there was a deadline, um, and I met that deadline. Uh, No, we did get through uh, Chris Gale's autobiography, Six Machine. Um, We will give you a review. uh, let you know a little bit of what we found out about the great man um, and then give you a cash or trash uh, summary at the end cash or trash I love yeah, it yeah yeah okay 
Cool. Um, all right. Oh, there's one other thing I need to mention, B-Train, which is that um, I've done a little bit of research this week. Oh. Uh, I've done a little bit of research about our own pod, yeah. um, which, has been, which has been interesting to say the least. And uh, it turns out our number one town in Australia, or in the world actually, that listens to the pod, that from the most listens of the pod is Banyo in North Brisbane. So wow. I wanted to give a big shout out to the people of Banyo who are, who are just fans of the pod. But wow. Now, wow. If, if you can guess, so firstly, people of Banyo, thank you so much for being in and thank around you. the pod. We, we, we really appreciate Enormous. it. And look, they must be spreading the word must out be. there. Um, it's out near the Brisbane airport. I assume it's a lovely place to be. Okay. Um, and yeah, just, just thank you, Banyo. Uh, what I will add, Bardo, is if you can guess our number two town, the town that is, I'll say the city, actually, our number two city um, that has the most, second most fans of the pod, I'll give you my piano, one of my legs, and my wife. Okay. Uh, 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 Kingston, Jamaica. <laughs> I wish it was Kingston, Jamaica, but you're not too far off. Okay. Uh, Detroit. Uh, Detroit. Detroit. D-Town. D-Town. Motor City. <laughs> Motor City loves the pod. Okay. Detroit and Chicago. Um, lots of fans of the pod in, in both of those set wow. towns. So okay. thank you. Thank you, D-Town. Thank you, Chicago. Um, I'd love to come and taste some of that thick slice pizza. Yeah. Maybe, maybe deep pan. get a deep pan. Do a pod, yeah. Chris. Um, could be our plan for 2019. Absolutely. General Motors. Um, <laughs> well, we... Do they want to sponsor the pod? I mean, hey, look. We've got a market. If there's anybody yeah. you know, in the cricketing fraternity of expats in either of those two American towns that wants to take a couple of bucks our way. Bring it together. We'd yeah. love that. Why not? Why bloody not? Um, that's enough nonsense for right now, big man. Let's let's talk about some cricket, shall we? Yeah. Um, do you want to deal with the match that's going on right now for the ladies? Or yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Cool. So currently, there's a T20 going on, uh, Australia versus Pakistan. Um, our The women's team are just crushing it. The Pakistanis are currently 7 for 87, Bardo, off 15. Not looking like they're going to put a big total on the board there. Bardo. Right. No, not at all. Uh, the Aussies just seem to be continuing their dominance here. Um, and it's been a very even bowling performance throughout, From I think, from all of our, uh, all of our seamers and tweakers. Um, but again, um, Sophie Molyneux oh, Sophie Molyneux has had an absolute uh, breakthrough uh, last couple of months, and um, she's been an absolute star on this tour. Pat. She came in for uh, Jess Johansson, who is the number one, uh, or at least was the number one um, spinner in the world yep. for a period of time. There, it's a big, 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 big shoes to fill, and she's coming and just absolutely smashed it, Bardo. Um, got another three for at the moment. Uh, same with young Georgia Wareham, uh, who's got three for 12 off two. Oh, oh. hello. Buenos dias. Buenos noches. See you later. Um, uh, a nice 43 there from Aminia Sahail. Um, and outside of that, Pakistan on the ropes at seven mm. for 87. So it looks like we're going to score another win there, Bardo. Um, in the game that just finished up uh, the other night, Australia made three for 195. Some really good contributions at the top of the order. Beth Mooney jumped back to opening, um, her favoured position. Mm. And uh, her and Alyssa Healy had a great opening stand there um, before Ash Gardner came in and hit 63 off 37. <laughs> Nine falls upon six, strike rate of 170. Just uh, came in and decided to take the old long handle to a yeah. D-train, show a few of those peeps who was boss. Well, I mean, they just continue going from strength to strength, don't they, really? I mean, that, that's a very powerful batting lineup. 
um, you know, Mooney, Healy, Gardner, Lanning, you know, Valani coming in all the way down the order at uh, at number six there, which, uh, I mean, that's a pretty bloody handy number six to have, not to mention um, the Master Blaster, Rachel Haynes, coming in at seven, and then Elise Perry coming in at number eight. I mean... <laughs> It's not a lot of fun to bowl to. No, I'm feeling uh, quite sorry for Pakistan. You I know, at least Fellaini, mate, hasn't been able to get a game. Mm. Hasn't been able to get on the pitch. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, the veteran Perth Scorcher, I mean, you know, she's such a class player, as we know from last summer and, and throughout her career. And um, uh, I guess it just goes to show the strength of the Southern Stars at the moment. Um, but for me at the moment, mate, it's all about Sophie Monu. I mean, in that game, 4 for 16, um, she has been an absolute revelation um, over the last... A uh, little period of time, and um, uh, not long before she becomes a uh, a, a, a world boss, uh, <laughs> if you like, as Chris Gale would say. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into that later, but I, I think there's a fair chance I'm going to be using the phrase "world boss" <laughs> a lot. Um, a lot, a lot. Uh, I, I love a text it. from you today that just said "world boss." <laughs> yeah. I was pleased world about boss. it. Um, yeah, no, it's great. So, um, <laughs> look, mate, what I will say about Sophie Molyneux, um, extreme accuracy. You know, four overs, four for 16. She doesn't tend to go for many and takes a lot of wickets. Yeah. Um, really puts the batters under pressure. So, uh, it's an extraordinary team that's developing there. It, it really is. And, and for someone like George Wareham to step into the side and immediately take some wickets, um, I mean, it just goes to show the quality, pal. I think there's a lot the men's side can learn from the women's side at the moment. Mm. Um, do you reckon that there's something to do with the WBBL, Pete Bardo? Like, where's all this well, quality? Where is this coming from? I mean, I think the WBBL is certainly the premier uh, competition in, in world women's cricket. Uh, I think that's widely acknowledged at the moment. I think the other thing that, that the WBBL allows is um, increased levels of professionalism uh, mm. amongst the women's game, obviously, and more exposure. Uh, now I think the exposure itself will, will pay dividends in the long term, um, as you know the game attracts uh, more uh, young uh, 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 girls players. Uh, but you know that that I think that professionalism and the extra hours that you can put in, um, not only in terms of practice, but um, the ability to rest and recover and prepare mm. appropriately without having the additional stress of a, of a nine to five job, um, I think is enormous. Um, you know, look, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't know a lot about the Pakistani women's T20 side, but I'm willing to bet that not too many of them are full-time professionals. Yeah. And, you know, when you're an, when you're an amateur athlete, uh, you know, not only do you have to contend with, uh, you know, reduced uh, amounts of uh, funds in your bank account, but you've also got to work. And yeah. that takes a physical and mental toll, reduces your ability not only to prepare for the game, but to recover from the game and to recover from training and that sort of thing. So I, I think that that's why we're seeing that the, the uh, you know, what the WBBL has brought, um, you know, not only the, the, the wages... Um, although I don't think there are too many millionaires at the moment, but um, you know, the, not only the wages, but the increased exposure and the sponsorship dollars that the players would now be able to attract. Um, again, whilst I don't think you'd necessarily say it was through the roof, um, it'd be a substantial improvement on, on years gone by. Yeah, massive, mate. And you're absolutely right, Chris. That's got to have a huge effect. Um, and it's got to be a fairly unique situation um, worldwide but look I mean credit to them pal like you know you can have all the training and all the facilities in the world and it won't mean anything we don't get out there and execute That's and right. they are executing week after week after week so 
It's it's great starting with the women's game, Bardo, at the top of every pod. I enjoy it immensely because it brings some happiness and light to my heart before, right. <laughs> before we yeah. get into the men's game, which has just been a oh. bit of a drag. A bit it's of a, a like, it's a bit like starting the series with a chamber of secrets before you get to <laughs> you know, uh, starting the series with uh Philosopher's Stone, but and then you have to get in the bloody order of Phoenix, and oh, it's a bit oh, sad, mate. It, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, great film though. Oh, the Phoenix. Yeah, cool. no, the film's got stronger. Um, the book's just got more depressing. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a there's a gradient. I think. Ah, yeah. maybe we can map that out for the listeners. A graph. Um, <laughs> what we need is the. Well, I was going to say the Channel Nine graphics team. Ah, yeah. To help us out with the Potter. Um, the Harry Potter uh, sadness to excellence ratio, some ah. sort of worm graph. Yep, 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 yep. Love it. But they'd be out of a job. Yeah, they wouldn't. They? They? Oh, well, are they? I mean, are they, have they moved? Who not? Well, what I'll say is, mm. if you're a Channel Nine former graphics artist and you want to come and do a bit of pro bono work for the pod, yeah, uh, we've got a whole bunch of graphs in our head that need making. That's right. Yeah, uh, uh, wagon wheel. Yeah, um, bar graph. Pop, pope watch. Pope watch. Um, <laughs> You know what I'd be interested in is like the Pope comfort wall. So uh-huh. please continue. <laughs> like I don't know if you remember like Channel Nine coverage, the thing called the the comfort wall. Uh-huh. It was like anyway, it was, it was like the, Tony Gregg did this thing where like he would do like the pitch and weather conditions. Yeah, and then there was like the there was like a part of the pitch and weather conditions that was like the player comfort meter. Ah, oh, okay, okay, okay. And, and it was some sort of magic formula. <laughs> The tiny device? Yeah. Well, well, I don't know how much he had to do with it, but sure. so, somebody had something to do with it. And, um, the you know, it was like an algebraic equation where they were like, okay, if we take the temperature times the humidity times the wind factor uh-huh. times the greenness of the pitch, if the key gets three jags in, <laughs> divided by the number of, you know, jumpers on the field... Um, plus the number of umpires plus the number of umpires square root the number of people in the stadium yeah 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 um, you know um, Bim Das Lamingtons <laughs> in the tea room anyway and they come up with this number right sure, yeah. um, uh, and and that was the play cover. what I want <laughs> is that specifically on, on Lloyd Pope alright now I'm not saying that the entire future hinges on him but basically, what I can say uh-huh. was that I was a lot happier when we had an enigmatic leg spinner. Yep, yep, yep. Who was largely uncontrollable off the field, yep. but again, a bit of a gradient. Sure. Some would say, mm-hmm. not I, some, <laughs> some would suggest that, you know, less control off the field. Yes. But extreme control on, on the, the field. field. And there was a gradient. So I love the gradient, yeah. but... I was a lot happier when that guy was playing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just think we should throw all our eggs in, in, in the, that basket. In that basket. Look, he's only tried and tested. 18 years old. Uh, yeah. And I think he can probably stand having the entire cricketing hopes of a nation just lay yeah. gently on his shoulders, yeah. you know. I think a, a Pope comfort meter uh, would be good. Well, 
Uh, we've got to monitor him. Yeah, we've got, we've to, got to make him. sure he's all right. We've got to monitor him. Um, you know. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm all for that, pal. I can't express myself enough for that at, at, at all. Um, speaking of the Pope Watch, uh, should we move on to some Sheffield Shield? Yeah, let's do it. I think. Uh, I think there's nothing. Oh, just quickly, while we were talking some absolute nonsense there, Bardo. Um, another two wickets fell in that T20. It looks like the Pakistan women's team are going to be all out pretty soon. They're nine for ninety-four, um, and you know, nearly everybody's picked up a minute. Delissa Kimmins, Kimmins, Delissa Kimmins, who I haven't come across before, has just took a wicket, one for twenty-nine. Good work, very nice. Sophie Molyneux again, just absolutely crushing it. There's a stumping there from Alyssa Healy off uh, Ash Gardner that I'd really like to have a gander at as well. So. Good work there. Probably see we can't get them out from under 100 ACTB. Wrap that one up mm. before T. Get in for a bit of a meal. Um, let's talk about some uh, Sheffield Shield, pal. It's been a big round. Yeah. It's been a big Massive. round. Massive round. Um, I mean, where do you start? Thank God mm-hmm. there were some big scores. There were some big scores, Chris. Some big scores. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, I think, you know, where do we start? Where do we start? Victoria versus New South Wales? Victoria versus New South Wales. Yeah, this is a tale of three innings, Chris. Um, and two of those innings are New South Wales falling apart, getting absolutely monstered. Yeah. And in the middle, uh, Marcus Harris strides to the crease and just absolutely dominates. 250 mm. not out, carried his bat for 403 balls, Bardo. Um Travis Dean went for a duck, his other opener. Eamon Vines, the number three, went for a 13-ball duck. They were falling like flies. Um, Peter Hanscom chimed in with 48. And outside of that, it was basically folks just hanging around while um, while uh, Marcus Harris just batted and batted and batted. And look, I looked up his average, Bardo, and he's you know averaging about 34, I think, Harris, before this inning. So he'll, he'll get a tidy bump there. Um uh, a West Australian, yes. we should note, too, yeah. pal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, West Australia was struggling to get a game in WA due to the sheer glut of openers um, in here in Perth. Mm. So I guess my question for you, pal, is uh, a couple of years ago when South Africa were here for the test, Petey Hanscom scored himself a 200 in the shield sure. and immediately was dropped into the test side and did pretty well um, yeah. and, and had a pretty good summer before his, his form faded pretty dramatically. Yeah. Harris, similar situation. 250 not out is an incredible score uh, in a low-scoring shield against a pretty solid New South Wales attack. Yeah. Does that immediately, for you, Vardo, just vault him into test contention? Um, uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, <laughs> shame on me, Pat. That's where I land with that. Um, I did think about it all today, man. I, I was like, you know, like, is it better to have... A w- just make them like the old days, right? Like oh. make them just grind and grind. And like Mike Hussey doesn't make his test debut till twenty nine. Um, you know, Gilly makes his test debut at twenty nine after just making mountains and mountains and mountains of runs. Um, or should we be picking the guy in form at the time and and and, and going that way? The pick and stick isn't working for us. I don't think it's worked for us for the last couple of summers. Um, you know, uh, realistically, uh, you know, obviously Stevie Smith, um, you know, is fantastic and, and, and arguably the world's best bat uh, up there with, with Coley. Um, but he had to do a lot of work to hold it, the team together yeah. over the last couple of summers and uh, the last couple of seasons. 
And then it hasn't been a lot of consistency around him. So I think the pick and stick for me doesn't work. Well, I'm definitely encouraged by the likes of Will Pekoski, who, you know, we'll touch on in a minute. Um, unfortunately, has had to drop out with uh, uh, mental health concerns. Marcus Harris scoring 100. Tommy Cooper scoring, two, uh, you know, a, a massive score, a big fat one for mm-hmm. uh, South Australia. Um, whilst I am absolutely really excited about that, um, I need to be seeing or... Well, I don't need to see anything, actually. That, that, let me be really clear. You don't have to prove anything to me. Um, uh, for me to feel moderately more comfortable on my couch yeah. watching you play, um, um, aside from turning up or down the AC, um, I would prefer if we have guys that are scoring a mountain of runs. Now, I think what we saw with JL sending someone like, omitting Joey Burns from the test side Mm. to Pakistan, saying that he needs to see him score a lot of hundreds. Glenn Maxwell didn't make the tour. I need to see him score a lot of hundreds. So what I want to know is, and absolutely the best way to do that is score big, dirty, fat ones like 200. But what I am seeing by looking at Marcus Harris's body of work is 64 matches at an average of 33. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying he's not talented. Clearly, you don't score 250 and get a big, dirty, fat one like that and not have talent. But six, you get a fair um, sample size to make a decision there from. Um, so what I would say is that's a great start and let's keep going with it. Um, but I'm, I need a bit more before I'm prepared to drop him in the test side. Yeah, mate, I hear that. And and I think it was Huss was saying as well that by the time that he got in the test side, he knew his game inside and out. He really, really did. He knew every facet of it. And he knew himself and, and all of that. You know, he'd played hundreds of Shield games, millions. He'd been playing them since the start of time. Um, and, and it meant that when he got into the test side, he was able to... He still noticed the jump because it's a sizable jump, but... I hear your point there, pal. I mean, look, Marcus Harris comes out next week, scores another 200 and another 200, and the week after that, the guy's going to have to get a game because that's just outrageous. But I, I hear, I'm feeling the same way, pal. You know, it's I mentioned it last week, but there's a surprising number of players who are in contention for test spots who are averaging in the 30s in first-class cricket. Well, I mean, uh, a good comparison might be someone like Aaron Finch. Right. Yeah. Aaron Finch has a you know a, a first class average of thirty six. Right. And that's only a three run differential. But what Aaron Finch has that Marcus Harris does not have um, is international experience. Yeah. And leadership skills. And I'm not saying Marcus Harris doesn't have leadership ability, but Aaron Finch has proven leadership ability and has has waited till thirty three to make his test debut. So whilst I, and I think that Test cricket, even though it may not be now the most consumed form of cricket it may not be the most highly paid form of cricket but it is the ultimate test of your ability because you're going at this thing for five days um, you know uh, and there's new balls and unrestricted fielding and uh, all of these sorts of things and um, so as I said a great start let's see more of it yep yep I agree with that. New South Wales got absolutely skittled in that first innings. Chris Tremaine, Bardo, is just bowling up a storm. Him and Farwood Arwen just ripped the guts out of the New South Welshman. Curtis Patterson, uh, a classy bat himself, got 63 from 147. Uh, Jack Edwards, the the young man uh, with all the skills, uh, him and his brother Mickey are both in this side, which I'm a big fan of. Um, 
they he got a couple of runs as well, but by blind and large, it was the Chris Remain show. Five for 47, but off 18. Um, Farwood Armour chimed in with three for 18 off 11. Um, Farwood's gone for 1.54 and over there. Virtually nothing. His form's continuing, but uh, isn't it lovely to see a couple of leggies around the States getting some wickets, mate? It warms cockles in my heart. Yep, yep, absolutely, mate. Absolutely, 100%. Great to see you. And Farwad Ahmed, you know, a few years ago was um, out of the Victorian side and, and, and uh, looked like it was the end of his career. So it's great to see uh, an old man have a, a late career renaissance. For oh, sure. we love an old, especially an old, you know, like Bradley Hogg. You know, Bradley Hogg could still be probably playing now at, at 51. <laughs> yes, he could. 65. However old Bradley actually is these days. Um, second dig. Oh, I should mention Victoria in the middle there made 445 off the back of Harris's extraordinary 250 not out. Um, on, on the way back in, uh, New South Wales were pretty easily dismissed. Uh, Curtis Patterson made another 50 there, which is good to see. Um, Nick Larkin with 53, but outside of that, it, they were pretty easily taken apart. Scotty Boland with 5 for 48 there, CTB. Farwood Armwood with another 2. Um, looks like Victoria are going to be a real strong contender this year again, mate. Um, and unless New South Wales can get a couple of their test players back, they don't look like the same side that they were last year. No, that's right. Um... Look, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, again, I just think good to see good individual performances from uh, other players around the around the country. And um, you know, we know that the old adage that the new that the Australian team is stacked full of New South Wales guys. So maybe it's uh, create some opportunities. And look, oh, we love seeing a Victorian in there. Um, just so hopefully on the Boxing Day's test, if we can wheel out Bill Laurie and just <laughs> Bill <laughs> go on about. Uh, South uh, Victorians would just warm the cockles of my heart. I'm thinking about South Australia, B-Train. Should, should we have a look at the South Australian innings? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Because um, it means we get to do another issue of... Pope Watch. It's my new theme music for Pope Watch. Great. You reckon? Great. Very good. <laughs> look, mate. The Pope tore him apart. Absolutely ripped him a new one. A big fat seven for, for the Pope, B-Train. Tell to me about how you feel. Great. I feel really good about it. Um, no, I feel really good about it. Look, great. But as I said with Marcus Harris, like, um, you know, comfort meter aside, um, I think it's a really good start. Um, you know, and, and, and any time a leggy takes seven for that's something you get excited about. Um, uh, but let's not pour too much pressure on him. I mean, he currently is none for in the second dig. So um, let's just see how this goes and let's watch this space. And, uh, you know, Nathan Lyon, you know, recently passed uh, Mitchell Johnson in the all-time wickets um, capacity. So I think we're okay for a spinner at the minute at the mm. national team. But um, let's wait and see what happens. Mate, uh, I loved it. I watched the highlights package of that first dig and there were so many wrongins. I haven't seen a leggy bowl that many wrongins in quite some time and I definitely haven't seen a leggy bowl that many wrongins that turn so much. Um, if you're a cricket uninitiate, a, a wrongin is when a leg spinner bowls a ball that spins in towards the right-hander as opposed to away from him and it's quite difficult to do well. Um, but uh, the Pope... Just kept smashing them out. And the celebrations, Bardo. He was up. He was about. <laughs> the team was around him. Uh, big old mane of ginger hair just blowing in the breeze. I was a big fan. Great. I'm excited about I'm, it. I'm glad you are. I know yeah. I am too. But look, I'm excited just in my heart. Um, Joe Burns made 64, which was good to see. Um, would have been great if he got a big, dirty, fat one. 
as you would say, Bardo, but um, sadly not to be. The Pope took seven for 87, which in his second match, Bardo, was just awesome. But you're right. I'll, I'll hold my horses. I'll keep my stuff together, and I won't get too far ahead of myself. Um, what do you make of that South Australian innings, pal? A couple of big hundreds there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, first of all, great to see uh, Tom Cooper, yep. um, you know, who's done, put in some reasonable performances over the years for the Melbourne Renegades in the T20 stuff. Um, did he play for the Netherlands? I, I did he? For, I don't know, did I he? I think he might have played for the Netherlands um, in their one-day side. He's got something like uh, 25 or 31 days under his belt. Okay. Average is near 40 um, in, in the one-day form of the game, which I was confused about until I read the Netherlands thing and I remember that him, he was quite young, but in the same side as Dirk Nunners, right. I think. Um, I think he's got a Dutch parentage, Tom Cooper. Okay. But I'm unsure, because there's a number of years between representing international sides. Like, I remember Luke Ronke um, went from playing for WA to going keeping for New Zealand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That you can switch. It's not like rugby where you're you're locked into a side. Yeah, yeah. Um, but interesting, Bardo. 31 years old, 178 off 246. Jake Weatherold at the top of the order did well as well. 69 off 188. Um, looked pretty good for that. And Jake Lehman, the Mo, uh, 126 off 192, Bardo. 13 mm. fours and a six. Pretty great to see Buff's son there. Son of Buff, SOB, mm. uh, doing so well. Yeah, the sob. Um, <laughs> oh, look, again, a, a, a young batsman with a lot of promise. Um, you know, I, I think was elevated to a leadership position um, in the South Australian side this summer. Yep. Um, so great to see him performing. Um, again, just another one where it's like, okay, we got something. Let's keep rolling with it and see what happens. Uh, we, we, we don't want to, um, I don't think quite ready for a test call up just yet. Yeah. But a few more hundreds like that and we'll wait. And, uh, you know, his chances will certainly improve. And I think Tom Cooper wasn't even supposed to play, um, but there was an injury to another player. So he, um, he subbed in a late notice and, and, and took advantage of that chance. And look, you need to see players do that as well. They had a bit of a late order collapse, though. The tail really fell away from Harry Nielsen um, right down to Lloyd Pope, who was eight not out. What a bloody superstar. Man after my own heart, but I, except I don't make eight. I, I, I made two right. on the weekend. Uh, if anybody's interested, Summer Hill Cricket Club, it was uh, not a good time. Not a great time. Uh, moving right along, uh, currently um, Charlie Hemphrey and Sam Hazlitt are at the crease. Charlie's on 76, not out. He's looking all right. Queenslander, three for 163. That game still ongoing. South Australia making the massive 505. Um, they're at stumps now. So Queensland trailing by 111 runs. That could be set up for a pretty thrilling final day there, but mm, For sure, for sure. I might have to... Uh, I'm flying back to Sydney tomorrow, but I might see if I can uh, poke my nose in and have a bit of a gander at that one. The other big match going on has been against the Western Warriors versus the Tacky Tazzy Tigers. And Bardo Sauce. Sauce came to the party. Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah. A couple of big performances in this game for sure. Um, you know, uh, one of the most polarizing plays um, in Australian cricket, Sean Marsh. Um, man of the match. Man of the match. Uh, an 80 and a 98. Um, uh, 80 in the first dig, 98 in the second to help guide Western Australia to victory. Um, this is a guy I'd be keeping in the test side. I mean, we know that we know if you've listened to the pod before, I'm a big fan. I, I, I go on a bat for, for sauce all the time. Um, but proven century maker at test level, 
um, in at the in the Ashes. Yep. Uh, you know, had a good start to the um, uh, to the Pakistani tour in the warm up games. Didn't play particularly well in the Tests, but was not alone. Um, and has made some runs at shield level coming straight back. So uh, I think good signs there for, for Soss. I agree, mate. And especially considering how lacking we are for test caps in that top six, we just need somebody who's played a bit of knifey spoony before. Mm. Um, and, and Soss definitely has. We've got to give some credit to Cameron Green too, the young uh, West Australian Warriors quick. Took six for 30 in that first dig. Dismantled Tasmania. Um, the Tassies only began to pull 2-2-6 for their first innings. Bit of a low-scoring match at the Wacker, Chris. Um, there's a new groundsman there, from what I understand, mm. who's preparing a couple of green monsters, um, and which is great. Like, how desperate have we been to see a bit of bounce and carry at the Wacker? Absolutely. I mean, sign me up for that. Um, Sauce made an 80 in the first dig, and WA largely fell apart after that. A couple of 18s, 13s, a good 26 from Matthew Kelly down the bottom of the order there. Um, Tazzy, uh, well, I mean, we were all hoping for Alex Doolan um, or Jordan Silk to get a few more runs. Matthew Wade's doing well. Bardo made another 50 in the second dig there, uh, 66 in the first. So he's, he, may be, he may be in contention to play as a specialist batsman, um, which is a weird thing to say, if I'm honest. In the second dig, uh, Soss got 98 before he was LBW to Webster and Hilton Cartwright with 84 night out. Again, nice to see Hilton uh, scoring a few there, but uh, a classy batsman, a mm. lot of power, a lot of range of strokes when he mm. gets going. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, lot, lots, lots of things to like about that game. Um, you know, Hilton Cartwright scoring some runs. Uh, Marcus Stoyne is doing some good things. Um, Jackson Bird bowling well in the first dig. Um, yeah, a lot, lot to like about these games for sure. The Birdman's got to be in the frame. Like, we talked about it last week, but he's, he's got to be in and around it. Mm. Um, he's, he's too high quality to be, to be left out of the side. And, and against, I mean, against India, he could be real useful, even in the one-dayers. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. Was there another game? Or, no, I think that's largely it. Um, like you said, Chris, a couple of really heartening rounds there. Um, it's great. Like after last week with you and I, you know, demanding, hoping, praying that we mm. get some some good uh, performances with the bat. People have really come through. So, uh, if any of the Australian cricketers who made runs this week are uh, fans of the pod, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking our criticism <laughs> on board. <laughs> Absolutely, I appreciate it for sure. I think that just about wraps the shield, B-Man. Let's have a chat about these T20s, shall we? Our men's team's been over in the UAE. They've been there for a little while now, playing Pakistan in a series of T20 matches. And mm. by and large, Bardo, it's been a shellacking. Yeah, not good. Um, <laughs> not good. And the thing that, like, upset me... Yeah, hit me. Right. The thing that upset me was... Aside from Finchie, uh-huh. who's the captain of the T20 squad, who performed pretty well in the test mm. matches, um, it's a different team. Yeah. It's a different team. Yeah. They shouldn't be carried. There's no metal scars. No. Different team. Different team. And actually, you go down the list and like, that's pretty close to our best T20 lineup. Like, it's pretty close. Mate, it's huge. Finch. Darcy Short, Chris Lynn, Glenn Maxwell, Ben McDermott, Alex Carey, Ashton Agar, Coulter Niles, Zampa, you know, uh, Ty and Billy Stanlake. That's a pretty strong T20 side. I don't know what more you want from that. Like, <clears throat> that's pretty close. I mean, you might throw in uh, Mitch Marsh and you might throw in 
uh, stoyness. Mm. Um, but that's that's a good team. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's a good team. It's a really good team, Chris. But they got routed. And they got rolled. <laughs> they got bloody rolled. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and your, your face right now, mate, is just a picture of sadness. Just uh, just utter devastation, B-Man. It's, it's pretty upsetting, actually. Bloody rolled. <laughs> Twice. Don't feed me this Oh, I shouldn't. Oh, I don't. Shouldn't swear <laughs> don't sweet. Don't feed me this stuff about. Oh, my bat was down, uh-huh. and the third umpire got me out. What about the ten other blokes? Yeah, this is rubbish. This <laughs> is rubbish. Just rubbish. Just I mean, rubbish. <clears throat> some bright lights. Sure, hit me. Sure. So. 50 from, thank God, Big Show. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, second one there, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, uh, in the second in the second T20 there with 52. Yep. And another bright light, probably good, great to see Coulton Isle back. Oh, how what? big was that six, by the way? Big it six. Cleared the stadium, it was gigantic. Big six, fantastic. But as I said before, <laughs> Short, Finch, Lynn, Marsh, Maxwell, Carey, McDermott, uh, Coulter Nile Ty Zampa Stanlake what's wrong with that team yeah. on paper not much yeah that's pretty good pretty good and they got rolled yeah. and it's just it's uh, you know maybe um, we just need to acknowledge that Pakistan are really good yeah and look I mean that's that's something that needs to be pointed out mate I mean they've Battered better and they bowled better. It was great to see um, Nathan Coulter Nile back, as you mentioned. Nice to see Darcy Short get a wicket with the ball as well, which was hilarious. Um, but they're just outclassed, mate. I mean, Baba Razam and Fakhar Zaman at the top of the 